Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Matt Bilberry, business development and sales at Bedrock Petroleum. Thanks for coming on to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. So you're another compadre that I've talked to for a while and now finally got behind the mics. Have you ever been, been on a podcast before? Never been. Nice. But you're an avid listener, right? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, podcasting and, you know, Joe Rogan's a name that often gets brought up. So yeah, I mean, how long have you been listening to podcasts for? A couple of years now. I got started just being in oil field operations and sales, field sales. Right. Spending, you know, 50, 60,000 miles a year on the road. Started listening to AM radio or, you know, regular radio, then AM radio, then it turned into comedy stations and books on tape. Yeah. And it started into podcasts and that world. I mean, that rabbit hole just gets deeper and deeper. So it's, it's crazy, uh, isn't it? It's yeah. funny. It's like the natural transition. You know, you go from, like you said, listening to music and then, and then back in the day they had like the, the tapes and the CDs with like the self-help stuff. And then you get, and then you had radio, which when you're out in the middle of nowhere, finally serious. And those folks came into the world. And so you could kind of pick and select what kind mm-hmm. of genres you like and, and now it's funny, actually, I was looking back and podcasts, you can search up like music on podcasts. So I don't know what I was doing, but I searched up like EDM or some like form of music. And it actually came up where they had like 45 minute tracks, like just different, you know, like kind of juiced into one big song. So it was kind of weird. I was like, I didn't even know that. But so it's funny you say that because I did, I've never been into jazz. Okay. And one of my cousins had mentioned that he listens to a jazz podcast. And I was like, you mean just like they interview, you know, musicians? He said, no, no, it's just like a jazz, a jam session. Yeah. Blew me away. Yeah. So I guess it's in multiple genres. I didn't, it was only the one that I found. And I mean, I have Spotify for, for music and then I use the podcast app for podcasts, but it was in, yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I guess you could literally put anything audio onto a mm-hmm. podcast platform. So well, I think over the years it's developed. I mean, I think at once it was really just kind of maybe news. And then it developed into, you know, books and interviews. And I think it's just over the years it's developed into now they've got the long form, I guess what you call Joe Rogan's type of podcast, the long form podcasting, which is yeah. just free for all interviews. <laughs> yeah, just everything and anything. Have you, so when the podcast thing came out, when I first heard of it, it was that series. Of the the lady who like a murder series? Had you heard of that? I've heard of them. I've dove so like deep serial. Into it. I think it's called. I follow a couple of crime ones. And oh, you do like American crime stories. Is it good? It is. It is. But I'm also a huge World War II buff. Good so for you. Anything to do with World War II? There's some that I found that have like hundreds of episodes that are like hours long. What diving deep into every aspect of individual generals and battles and all kinds of stuff that's what blows me away but like whether it's podcasting or anything else but the amount of information out there that we have access to with technology is unreal it's like you almost don't even know, need to go to school except for to get the certificate but you could literally learn how to be a brain surgeon just through the internet youtube youtube yeah <laughs> i mean you, and, and then i mean i've learned more about you know certain subjects and topics for free over podcasting that i mean it's interesting that 
the way we're learning and evolving with technology at such a rapid pace, it's like, it blows me away. I mean, 10 years ago, this, we would have never had this conversation. And 10 years from now, like that's a small blip in time. The funny thing is, is I got into my truck the other day and didn't have my phone on me. My phone's hooked up as soon as, you know, my truck's on, Bluetooth kicks on and whatever I was listening to podcast or music wise just automatically kicks on Bluetooth. Yeah. Nothing connected. So the radio turned on. (laughs) You're like, what is this? And it's been so long since I've listened to local radio. Yeah. A lot. Some of the stations don't even play the same type of music anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I I turned it to a station that I used to listen to and it's a completely different genre and everything. So it's been that long since I've actually listened to real radio. Right. Well, it was kind of interesting yesterday. I was working at the office and I ripped away to grab some lunch and I forgot my wallet at my desk. And I go and I get the Whole Foods and I realize I don't have my wallet. I'm like, oh, no. And then I realized I forgot that they use Apple Pay. So it got me thinking. I'm like, why don't they just make apps where you can have your license and everything to like get rid of wallets? Like, for God's sakes, like we can take pictures of the earth from a trillion miles away, but we can't get rid of a damn wallet. Like, <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. I think they do. I think they call it, they've got one on Apple called well, Apple Wallet. Right, but you're like with driver's license. So, because oh, yeah. like, if you're driving, like you need your you know your license or whatever. And then for me, I need my green card on me. So, yeah. <laughs> so I can't walk, rip around with a just picture of my green card. I'm sure that'd get me exported right away. Anyway, let's get through the weeds here. So we talked about a little bit about podcasting. And before I actually get going, let's take a quick break. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedbacks, welcome and appreciated. Good, bad, whatever. Tell me a good story or tell me how much you don't like me talking about random stuff with my folks before getting into the technical stuff. Either way, I don't care. Just send me a note. And we're kind of lacking on the whole review situation. So yeah, please, anyone out there who's been listening, just send me a, or the best way to do it is to go on iTunes and just say, hey, you know, great job, whatever. Let's keep the reviews coming in. I've had a lot of good ones, but uh, as of late, they've been slowing down. So please do me a favor and leave one for us. And so Matt, let's get going. How did you actually get into the wonderful oil and gas industry? I mean, I I don't know much about you before being one of the baddest and greatest salesmen for Bedrock. So what what was the story? What was the life like before that? Well, basically got a great job making a lot of money right out of high school one summer. Nice. With who? It was actually a door-to-door salesman for direct energy best training you've ever probably had and more doors slammed in my face than anything and just getting to know how to speak to people and anyways did enjoyed that summer when i got back to college the next semester i lasted a day <laughs> and i dropped out Congrats. of college yeah. and was like i want to just go to work full time yeah well, that work ended up fizzling out and i ended up i quit school and joined up building pipelines in okay. south texas so what made you quit school? Are you just the money? You're like, this is crazy. I'm sitting here listening to a teacher who makes half of what I used to make. Money. But to be honest with you, it was more the experience. Yeah. Getting to be in the real workforce, working day in, day out. I just wanted to go, get out there and work. I wanted that experience. So I uh, reluctantly, or my parents weren't aware that I was doing it, but I dropped out of school that, <laughs> that day and told them that night. And within two weeks, I was on a pipeline in South Texas, living out of Falfurious. Yeah. And w- did that for a year, and I lived down there in the valley. And then one day I was sitting there in about 
a foot and a half of mud with a very expensive GPS unit strapped to my back, tying in a weld and basically got told that we couldn't reach out to the owner of the company because he was in Vegas and didn't want to be bothered. I don't blame him. And I immediately just thought, I go, you know what? I don't want to be standing in this mud anymore. I want to be that guy in Vegas. So I turned (laughs) it, I turned in my notice and went back to school. Yeah. Got my degree. And then, uh, what'd you go to school for? Just general business. Nice. And then right out of college, I joined up with a project development company in pipeline industry. Basically, that was a group of guys that would just go out, and I was their project development trainee, I guess you'd say. I did a ton of research. This was right when the Eagleford was booming. So I knew What year was that? 2012, or no. Had to have been uh, a little two, bit before that. Yeah, 2010. Okay. Something okay. like that. Did the Marcellus and the Eagleford kick off kind of at the same time? Like, I, I know they've been so. Yeah. I was so hyper-focused on the Eagleford, though, because that's just where their experience was. Yeah. And that's where they wanted me to direct my – I mean, I knew about the Haynesville. I knew about, you know, Del- the Delaware Basin. I knew about the Bakken. Yeah. The Marcellus was kicking off. But I was so hyper-focused on the Eagleford. I was going out finding, okay, who's got – I knew whose acreage was you know, where, gathering systems, trunk lines, and we were trying to find a niche. and. Actually, shout out Rig Zone. Yeah. I just had my resume on there. I didn't even apply for the job. A consulting firm found me yep. and interviewed me and shipped me off to Lafayette. No kidding. Ended up working in Lafayette for a little about a year, came back to Texas. And long story short, now I'm, we started Bedrock. And Bedrock recently was acquired by NES Global. So okay. now we're Bedrock Petroleum Consultants and NES Global Talent Company. Nice, nice. How was your uh, experience over in Lafayette? I loved it. Yeah, I still, I, I miss it. But I mean, I what do you like about it so much? The culture and the atmosphere. I mean, once those Cajuns accept you, yeah. I mean, it's they find a reason to party for anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember when my wife started coming over there. I've told this story a few times. When we were first starting to date, she had a job where she, every Monday she'd fly out out of here here out of Houston to a, a city somewhere in the U.S fly back Friday and for the longest time she'd get in the car Friday drive to Lafayette spend the weekend with me Sunday drive back to to Houston get on a flight Monday and do it all over again so every Friday she'd get there I'd be like well what do you want to do we go downtown Lafayette it was I think it was called downtown live okay she thought it was just like a couple of weekends in a row but no it was every Friday night there is a party (laughs) in downtown Lafayette and it's just just because it's the weekend now. So yeah, just the culture down there is something that can't be replicated. Right. No, I, I have to agree with you, actually. So I may have told you this before, but you know, obviously I'm from Canada and my wife was born in Lafayette and then raised in Canada, which funny because I got the Gautier last name, which everywhere I go, either at a conference or anywhere, they're like, oh, Gautier, you must be from South I-10. And like, no, actually, North I-10. They're like, well, you don't sound like you're from Shreveport or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little further north. And then come to find out, they're like, oh, I'm from Canada. And it's like, well, your last name. So it's funny because, you know, my wife's the one that's there, for, you know, from, originally from there. And I've got the, the, the coon-ass last name mm-hmm. is, is what they tell me. So, But Lafayette's a great town. I was When I was working out in New Iberia on an inland barge, I traveled through there quite a bit. And we actually, you know, I'd have to stay or whatever. And because my wife's family is there, so I'd stop off and say hi. And but yeah, I always enjoyed driving through there. And then we actually got married there in uh, River Ranch, okay. a beautiful part of Lafayette. 
And a lot of my, actually funny, so a lot of my family that came down for the wedding had never been to the Southern United States, let alone like the heart of the, the South, <laughs> Cajun country. So, I mean, they partied and they had beads and they did things that to this day they talk about that they regret, <laughs> but they had such a good time. So they came down to make a vacation of it. So the, the wedding and then they'd stay for a few days. Well, a few of them went to New Orleans and we did it. It was March 5th was our wedding. So right during Mardi Gras. And so they went and they partied up and down Bourbon Street. And like these folks are like in their 50s. So like stuff they'd never done or they hadn't done since they were like in, you know, their 20s or whatever. But they had such a good time. And I'm pretty sure like, you know, the tops off and stuff like they were <laughs> all in and they somehow got on the news and it was hilarious just hearing them talk about like what kind of shenanigans was going on during that time but for anyone out there who's never been to Lafayette or or you know Cajun country as they say it's a definitely a unique experience it's kind of like not you're not in the United States anymore you're in this like weird world where everything and anything goes and if you're into like voodoo stuff and just like the very you know it's just got so much neat history to it and and you know, that culture. It's, yeah. And like you said, once they kind of adopt you and make you part of the family, it's a unique experience that you can't really get anywhere else. Well, my experience when I first moved there, I mean, the company that hired me sent me out there. I knew nobody in Lafayette. Actually, no, I take that back. I knew one, I ended up knowing one girl there who I'd known from high school from years and years ago. But anyway, so I moved there and, you know, being in the consulting business, I dealt with hundreds and, you know, if not thousands of, you know, contract drilling completion consultants. And, you know, some of these, a lot of them out of Lafayette are all, you know, offshore hands. So I had one guy, just one time we went to lunch and just hit it off. And, the next week he calls me up and was like, Hey, come out to my house. I'm having a barbecue. I literally thought it was just going to be me, him and like, <laughs> you know, maybe his kids. No, no, it was his entire extended family. Hey, it yeah. was like somebody's birthday party. I got invited to his daughter's wedding. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and while I was there, his other family members got to know me and it was like, Oh, well, if, if he likes you, then you're, you know, we like you too. So why don't you come over to our barbecue next weekend? And it was just, yeah, you know, it, once they accept you, and they like you. Yeah. You're invited to everything. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, and talk about gaining weight down there. Golly, they're cooking. To this day, I don't care. Cajun cooking is the best in the world. Oh, it's amazing. You, there's so many, you know, you got the gumbo, the jambalaya, and then you got the like hush puppies and cornbread. And it's all food that like, if you're trying to gain muscle and get big and strong, that's where you want to go. But if you're looking to get abs, don't go. <laughs> I definitely did not get abs while I was, <laughs> while I was living there. I, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, man. Yeah, Lafayette's a great time. South Louisiana, a lot of good people come out of there. You know, obviously my wife's from there. But, you know, from a work standpoint, a lot there's some hard work in Kunas, dude. Like, it's anytime I see a mud engineer with a 337 area code, I'm like, this guy's going to be solid. Because chances are he's probably worked offshore. And, you know, if he's at least got, you know, five years under his belt or her belt. But yeah, they breed some solid oil field hands. So I so got to say there is, and this is something I've learned just in, you know, almost the decade I've been in the, you know, the consulting business. If I get a call from a 337 or a 601. Mississippi? Mississippi number for yeah. something about that 601 area code, those hardworking offshore guys, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be a hand and that 337, I mean, what they called it, the Kunas Mafia. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I remember when I 
when I left Louisiana and came back to Texas, the company I worked for, they had a guy that ran that South Louisiana farm. So I'd go over there and help him out at Stan Henderson. And it was serious. I mean, we talk about the, the Kunas mafia. He was related to somebody somehow in this town. It was through marriage, through cousins, through going to high school together, through buddies and this and that. There wasn't a name in South Louisiana. He'd be like, Oh yeah, I know them through so and so. Yeah. It's just a you know, what do they say? Oil fields, big business and a small world. Yep. No, and that that reigns true for sure and in, in especially down there. And indeed, they know everybody. It's it's crazy. Like once you cross the Texas line, it's like you know, everyone's connected. And then, you know, one of the neatest things I'd ever seen is I was still living in Canada at the time, but I went down to visit my wife's family and I was blown away that you could drive up to a store or like a little drive through shack, get yourself a daiquiri. They put tape over the straw insert and then you drive away and you just rip open the straw and dunk it in there and start slurping away as you're cruising through Lafayette half pinned. It's just absolutely crazy. <laughs> I had a bad first incidents, not a bad first incidents with that, but when I first moved to Lafayette and I, and I saw those daiquiri huts you could drive through, <laughs> yeah. I was on my way back to my apartment and I pulled through and not thinking anything of it, just being from Texas, I don't know what, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. So I ordered the Octane 190. Oh yeah. The old Octane. <laughs> I didn't realize what 190 <laughs> meant. <laughs> So I'm sitting there, I get back to my apartment, and I, I just get out of my, my truck, and I go to my, my mailbox. By the time I got back to my apartment... <laughs> you were already stumbling. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what in the world? I was like, how is this legal? Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious, actually. So that's... I always go when I get... If, if I get one, I always go for the strongest one, right? Of course, it's like my ego is like puffed up. I need to get the strongest slurpy alcohol <laughs> drink I can find. So I always go with that one. And one of the first times I got it, actually, funny enough, I was... So my wife's grandmother still lives in Lafayette and then her other side lives in Crowley, but she's got a little house there in Lafayette. And whenever we stay, we stay with her and she has one bathroom and it's just this tiny house. Well, of course I get super slammed and I'm wasted and I ended up puking all in her bathtub and she's like the sweetest <laughs> old lady. And it was like, and I had mixed it with something red. So it was like red, like insides of me all over her bathroom and like, like something I, out of a horror movie oh and, and i had passed out in there and you know I, she's probably not listening but if she is or somehow it's like i still to this day apologize and i don't quite think she's gotten over it because she doesn't <laughs> let me bring drinks into the house anymore but yeah the amount of sugar in those things plus the alcohol is a recipe for absolute chaos in your tummy so well, be so, careful well, so i've done the mardi gras over there i've done lafayette mardi gras i've done the new orleans mardi gras which if you haven't done it i suggest to do it be careful yeah be, be very careful i don't really have a want to go back to the new orleans <laughs> mardi gras just i don't have the I just can't handle it anymore. But right. my wife's family is all from Baton Rouge. Oh boy! And so Another their Mardi, good one. yeah, their Mardi Gras is a lot more family based. With God bless, yeah, it's not nearly <laughs> as wild. But I love it because all her aunts and uncles, when we go, we they show up to Mardi Gras in Baton Rouge. They've all got the styrofoam cups with yeah. the tape over it. That's like their Mardi Gras thing is everybody's got daiquiris when they show up. Yeah. And they pull in their little cart with the cooler and their chairs and everything. And everybody's got their daiquiris. So yeah, I get to partake whenever I go do that. Well, and then on top of that, and I know everyone listening is probably like, oh, my God, get over with the banter. But sometimes this happens. So just deal with it. But 
another thing talking about culture is talk about the football culture with LSU and New Orleans Saints like we could probably talk forever on that but if you've never been and I, and I haven't but I've heard and talked to people that have been to an LSU football game and apparently it's one of the coolest experiences ever have you been to one no, I have not, but I've heard the exact same thing. Once yeah. you've been to Tiger Stadium, they said there's nothing like it. Yeah. I, w- I have a buddy that I work with. He's from Canada, and he went with one of his customers who went to LSU, and he, they got invited, and he was like, oh, I've heard the hype, whatever. But he got back, and he was like, I am 100% forcing my kids to go to LSU so I can go watch football games like for the years that they're there because it was the neatest experience ever. So it's, yeah, again, it's something I haven't done, but I've heard. And so, but everyone, you know, LSU pride is like none other. And then the, of course, the I find it so funny that A&M, LSU, you know, rivalry is always big here, especially, you know, old field because everyone either went to A&M or to LSU. And that's where I get crossways because okay. I'm a huge Texas college fan yeah it doesn't matter a&m ut tech i just like texas schools yeah but my grandfather graduated from lsu <laughs> nice so I'm the also, family so uh, I'm competition yes yeah, so i'm also a tigers fan too so wow you bleed all sorts of colors i just like football too yeah so and there's nothing wrong with that you know if lsu's playing i'm usually rooting for lsu yeah and and hey, it, it's good, right? It's it's cool. It's a cool wagon to be on. And it's kind of like me. I'm from Canada. So people are like, oh, who are your your team? And I'm like, well, I grew up cheering for the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders. And and down here, I can jump on any wagon I choose. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on like I lived in Pittsburgh, so I was a huge Steelers fan. And as then, long as you don't like the Cowboys. So you funny enough, I grew up <laughs> with an Emmett Smith poster in my room. So naturally, I'm a Cowboys fan. But I'm pretty sure that's the only football poster you could get in Canada, right? Because yeah. it's like the Dallas Stars, like. You know, so I've always been a Dallas Cowboys fan and I've been to the stadium. It's a good time, but I really don't like, I don't claim to be in any camp or I don't, I've got like jerseys from eight different teams in my closet. You know, I just kind of, wherever I land, I cheer for them and, you know. I'm a big fan of the players. I mean, obviously I'm being from Houston. I'm a huge Astros fan, a Texans fan. I was an Oilers fan. So therefore now I'm not a Titans fan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They need to bring the the jerseys back. Like the Oilers. I think they're trying to. I've heard that would be so cool. I think they're trying to. And I grew up just, you know, once we lost the Oilers, then I grew up. I mean, Cowboys were all that was left. So some of my, I give Cowboys fans a hard time, but some of my favorite players of all time were Dion Emmett. And, oh, you know, for sure. You know, that crew that played for those Super Bowls. So, yeah, aside from, you know, the extracurriculars that Zeke gets himself into, man, I love watching the Cowboys and I especially love watching him. He's a fun guy to watch him. And why well, I can't think of the name. What's the quarterback's name right now? Since we Dak got the, uh, Prescott. Dak Prescott. Yeah. since we got the Texans, I haven't really watched the Cowboys unless they're playing the <laughs> I Texans. I hear you. Well, no, hopefully the Texans get on a run this year. They always get to the playoffs and they just get completely annihilated. So we'll see what happens. That's for another podcast. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get more into the oil field related stuff. So you're with Bedrock Petroleum right now. For those who don't know, tell us a little bit about Bedrock and what you guys actually offer. We represent contract and W-2 personnel and oil and gas industry. Primarily, Bedrock is the lower 48 upstream arm of operations for NES Global Talent. So anything in the lower 48 in regards to drilling completions and in support of drilling completion operations, we represent contract personnel. We've got north of a 1,000 contractors working now. Nice. And all, every single play in the U.S. and, uh, and offshore deep water projects as well. So it's really 
a business that's grown. It's seen its challenges, especially through the downturn. And that was where Bedrock really became more of a well-known name, just uh, the service we provided. And coming out of the downturn, we, we were very successful. Yeah. How did the, so how did actually, and I had, didn't have that question down, but it's a good one to ask. So how did the downturn affect you guys? And like, how do you guys manage through going from, I mean, however, like how many people did you have pre downturn to then note, like, and then in the downturn, do you know off the top of your head or? I know ballpark with con- with consultants, any of them that are listening will kind of know this. You know, there are some times where, you know, some months on a hitch, they'll invoice, it'll be a short hitch or anyways, but it was probably around the t- 300 mark, three, maybe north of 300. And in the downturn, we probably went down to, you know, about half of that. And I mean, really what did us was, I mean, we, I mean, I was part owner and, me and all the other partners in Bedrock, we ran a very tight ship. We wore a lot of hats. We didn't have a lot of overhead. So a lot of, not just firms, but service companies and, and all, you saw a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of people, you know, closing up shop in that downturn. We were fortunate. I mean, we we took our licks as well, but we remained profitable when other people were having to adjust their rates to to you know, increase their income, inc- increase their profits. Right. We went the other way. We started giving more back to the consultants mm-hmm. and offering quicker pay instead of you know, hey, you're going to have to wait till we get paid. We started to offer them, why well, hey, we'll pay you faster, even faster than we were before the downturn. It's a good strategy. So these guys that were really hurting, and not only that, when all the rates started to get cut, you know, day rates and hourly rates and everything started to go down. We increased our percentage to them. So we allowed, you know, not just their rates were getting cut, we cut ours as well. So they didn't feel that, you know, we, they were the only ones taking a hit. Right. Looking back, I mean, was that a good decision from a business standpoint? Did it help you guys out? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Still to this day, we have guys that will comment to me on and be appreciative of the fact that we were able to help them out even. And I mean, things as simple as answering the phone Mm -hmm. was one thing that put us above and beyond, you know, you might not have, we, we didn't have good news for everybody. Right. You know, but we answered the phone and we at least tried to do what we could for them. And just that effort, you know, these guys that are really, were really struggling, looking for work. They just wanted somebody to talk to and to help them out. And when places that they had been dealing with for, for years and years quit answering their phone calls. And we were, when we came out of the downturn, we came out strong. And uh, I mean, like I said, that's, I mean, we grew it to, you know, we had only been in business a few years when the downturn hit and then coming out of the downturn, we're at over a thousand contractors now. So, wow. So how do you guys navigate the waters or, I mean, with regards to folks jumping ship or like chasing a dollar? I mean, cause you hear all the time you're working for somebody and then, you know, Joe blow out in the field here is he can jump on board with so-and-so for an extra five bucks a day. And I mean, how do you, I guess, better question is what do you, what do you guys do from a culture standpoint to like for your retention? I mean, is there anything special that you guys offer or anything that you guys try and do to, to keep good people? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously the percentage split is big for the guys. We try to remain as competitive as we can be with that, but our support system, for all of our contractors, you know, if if it's as simple as something as, you know, hey, they're working, but they want to get closer to home, you know, they're tired of, you know, sorry, Jowl, New Mexico, but if they're tired of, you know, living outside of Jowl and they want to get closer to home in Louisiana, 
you know, we actually put in the effort to try to find them work. Hmm. I want to say the last survey we did, over 50% of our contractors, we actually found them the job. Wow. So, so it sounds like you care about the people and they're not just numbers that you're collecting revenue from. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we answer our phones Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving. I mean, I've actually had guys call me. I had a guy call me on Christmas Eve one time at 10 o'clock at night and I answered my phone and he just said, all right, I was just checking. Wow. <laughs> you know, Merry Christmas and hung up the phone. I was like, all right. Yeah, you passed the test. Yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things that, and it was what we built Bedrock on. It was the culture. Every every employee we've got to our support staff in the office, one of the things that I get, and I actually wrote an email earlier this week about it, the girls that we have in our office in Lafayette are, are a huge part of our team. I'm, I'm successful. Me and all the other guys here are successful in the field with sales and developing relationships with con- with consultants and operators but when you know john smith or joe blow calls and has a problem with an invoice and they can call our office and they the girls answer the phone and say hey john how's it going what can we help you with yeah it goes a long way with those guys it totally does yeah yeah no because a lot of times you call the office and yeah most of the time you're just a number if you're with a like a reputable sized company and so having that name recognition and even knowing a little bit about their personal life to where you can even ask, Hey, how's your kiddo? I heard he graduated or, you know, just little things like that go a long way, especially they do in the mud engineer world, which when you're dealing with people showing you care goes a long ways. Right. Well, and that's another thing that most of, I mean, not all of them, but I mean, we make a very big point of when somebody signs on with us, somebody in one of our offices, I mean, we've got an office in Denver, Midland, I'm here in Houston, we've got Lafayette, Pennsylvania, and Oklahoma's fixing to open up. But, you know, I make a point to, especially if they're within driving distance, you know, I go shake the hand of the guy who signs on with us. Yeah. And so they, you know, put a face with the name and know who they're dealing with and they're not just a number on a on a spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah. No, again, that goes a long ways. Right now with the current market conditions, I mean, we're seeing a lot, you know, the talent pool is diluted. It's busy. Is it hard to find good hands right now? Or like what's what's the status of the of the talent right now? There's a lot of good hands out there. Yeah. You know, there are you do run into the guys who think that they can do things that they're not qualified for. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are probably capable of it. But, you know, right now with rigs dropping, actually I think they might have a few rigs might have picked up this past week, but it's really all over the map. I mean, there are operators that are, I mean, cutting their employees and their overhead by 25, 50% dropping rigs. There are some that are actually drilling ahead of schedule and under budget and are doing fine. There are some that have had to file bankruptcy and then there are some that are about to be funded and, you know, buying acreage and start operations this year. So really the, it's all over the map. It really just depends on the, the company. Right. And as far as the consultants available, there, there's a lot of opportunity for younger consultants out there to come up. That's one of the things that there's a lot of younger guys out there that have, that when it was booming, they got broke out as consultants that have good experience that are, are now in that, that talent pool. Okay. So even though rigs have dropped, I mean, I really think some of we're getting a lot of guy, calls from guys looking for work and, you know, it's turned into where we used to have to, to find a frack consultant. <laughs> I mean, it was like pulling teeth, trying to find somebody that, you know, if, if you were a good frack consultant, you were working and, you know, you just had to, you had to go steal somebody. Right. Now there's, they've 
got enough consultants trained up and broken out that there's plenty to choose from right now. So what's the, in your opinion, or I guess not even opinion, what, what does the market look like? Where's the biggest demand right now for, for hands? The area or the like whether discipline, f- the discipline, the discipline right now, I'd probably say completions in production. Okay. And uh, is that field or office related or it's kind of a spread field, 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 cold tubing, doing cold tubing drill outs, rod jobs, snubbing. You know, if you can sit in a frack van and call a frack and run wireline, you know, with rigs dropping right now, there's still a lot of wells to be completed. Mm. I'd say that's the most, you know, at least as far as coming across my table. It's really been pretty flat, though, just because a lot of the operators that still have operations, even though they might have slowed down, they don't want to get rid of their talent. Right. So they're extending guys' hitches. They're letting them work more. They're double stacking locations with contractors so they don't have to send them home with no work. But right now, I'd probably say, yeah, completions of production has probably been the bigger need. Okay. If people out there are listening, I mean, I normally ask this question at the end, but I guess what's the best way for folks that are, say, have that background? Is it like they look your website up or hit you up or? Yeah, they can. I mean, if they can look up our our website, I'm on there, you know, hit us up, send us your resume. The girls in the office get them as well. Okay. We do our best to contact everybody, whether it be email or a phone call. I'm not going to give my cell phone number out. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to blast the but, iTunes uh, with your cell phone. Yeah, you but usually I'd like to say that somebody somewhere, if you're a consultant, has either already heard of us or somebody you know has heard of us Yeah, and knows somebody that, you know, one of our partners, one of our BD guys. So if you really want to talk to one of us, just, you know, ask around. You can get it. You can find our info either on the internet or just by asking somebody. Right. What, let's say for someone who's, you know, got a few years experience, what, what does Bedrock look at in terms of minimum requirements years wise? I mean, are you hiring only seasoned vets or do you guys hire like guys fresh out of school or what's your criteria? Man, that, that, that's all over the map on that one. It really depends on the discipline. If you've been, you know, and that's really customer driven. There are customers we have that say, Hey, I want a guy who's got 20 years consulting experience that I can go put out on a job. He could call it you know, from permit to pipeline. Then yeah. he can go drill the well, he can frack the well. You know, then we've got guys that say, all I want them to do is run a wire line mm-hmm. on a on a frack location. Well, that kind of guy, I mean, he could be in the oil field a couple of years and know how to do that. Right. So it's really customer driven. You know, we've taken guys right out of mud school and putting them on and put them on jobs. And then we've got requests for guys that, have 20 years, you know, 25 years of mud experience yeah. that are looking to retire almost. And, you know, that's customer driven, but we've got them all over the map. Interesting. No, that's good to know. Kind of switching gears here. So I'm sure you've heard and, and big topics right now and buzzwords, there's things like AI and big data and stuff like that. Does that apply in your world? Maybe from like sort of like a data collection standpoint? I mean, are you guys playing with that stuff? We've got, especially with you know NES Global Talent being our our parent company now, we've got software, new software systems in place that are for consultant tracking. There's things coming down the line as far as, you know, I don't know about AI, but as far as technology based, yes, we are we're we're moving forward in that base to make it more just a fluid situation for the contractor and for the operator as far as invoice approvals. You know, just you know, really, you know clickable approvals, things like that, you know, to get, to move away from the, 
not to say carbon copies, but you know, like the, you know, print out the Excel file, you know, sign it, stamp it, scan it, send it back, you know, the, right. the you know, the older way we are moving forward and we have software systems in place to expedite and just become more technologically driven. Yeah. Is there a way, and this might be a tough question to answer, but is there a way to track, say, performance to, to be able to classify like, you know, Joe is, you know, top ranked in this field. Like, are there any programs or stuff that you guys basically can quantify their performance of your hands? Is that even a thing? I believe so. I'm not familiar with it, though. Okay. Yeah, same. Seeing as how the acquisition was just the end of last year and we're still in integration. Right. There are software systems out there that do that. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to grade too many guys because there are certain, you know, we have certain consultants that would be great at one operator because of their demeanor yeah, and the way they are and, you know, how they run an operation that might not be great at another one. Yeah. So you'd give them, you'd have to give them a bad grade at one place and a good grade at another. Right. So it's really, I mean, and that's one of the reasons I think Bedrock has been successful is, you know, we are good at knowing what our customers are looking for. Right. I know what this engineer superintendent, what his, in the team he's put in place and the guys he has out there, you know, there are certain guys I would never send to go work with them because it just wouldn't, it'd be, you know, two bulls button heads and mm -hmm. nothing would ever get done. Right. Because a lot of it is, is being able to adapt to a certain culture and you can't, you can't apply culture to, and, and you may be able to, but not that I know of, like have a data set that, tracks culture yeah that's you know that's where like hu like human psychology comes into play and you know this person does good with these types of folks but not with these types of folks so i would imagine down the line there's some super geeks working behind a computer figuring all this out oh i'm sure there's something that you can be done but when it comes to what with, with what we do as far as you know performance tracking that's i mean that's kind of subjective to the operator and what they're right. looking for so i, I mean I, I wouldn't be a huge fan of performance tracking now obviously there's you know you can, if guys have had issues or whatnot, you can track that. But yeah, as far as, you know, what they're capable of and, you know, a performance, you know, type of ranking, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be a big fan of that. I hear you. No, I, I totally, I understand. Well, look, we're getting close to getting this thing wrapped up, but I did have one last question for you more on a personal standpoint, which is, you know, do you have any daily routines or habits that kind of help create a recipe for success in either your personal life and your career or kind of both? I mean, is there anything that comes to mind? Well, it doesn't happen every morning, but I try to get up you know, try to get up early every morning, try to get a jump start on the day. Yeah. Try to get it before the kids and before the wife. Okay. So you're uh, a morning person then? No. Okay. no I, I got to force myself to. <laughs> nice. Yeah, By demand, you have to be? Yeah, I try to. I've gotten, you and I have had this discussion, bulletproof coffee. Yeah. Uh, having having a, a good cup of coffee in the morning. And really, one of the, my keys to success, in, in my opinion, is having a well-balanced life. Mm -hmm. I've done it where you work, you work so hard that your personal life gets thrown off. Yeah. I've done it where I've invested too much in personal life and work life gets thrown off. I think there needs to be a good balance of work, work life, personal life, you know, mental health, physical health. Yeah. You know, you got to have that cheeseburger every once in a while, but you also need to eat healthy. I think it's really just a kind of a balancing act and having a well-balanced life is yeah. kind of the key to success. Because if you go, if you go overboard in one area or the other, the something, something's going to suffer. So. Right. So how do you, how do you manage the balance then? Is it being in tune and being aware of like, 
are you just kind of intuitively knowing like, whoa, I've spent a lot of time at work this last couple of weeks. I need to dial it back. I mean, how, how do you kind of take a step back and look at the balance? Well, it's exactly that. Take a step back and kind of look at the balance and go, all right, you know, what, you know, how am I feeling? What do I need? You know, there are times where, you know, if I've, you know, I need to get back on the field, I need to go get on a drilling rig and go stand on the drilling floor and, you know, talk to my hands. Then there are times where it's like, you know what, I need to put my phone down to go, you know, push my kids on the swing. Yeah, Uh, It's really just, uh, you know, taking a step back and really doing a, and analyzing, you know, kind of where I am Mm -hmm. and just moving forward from there. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And a lot of people just don't take the time to take a step back because they're always, they're, they're not thinking of the present moment. It's like, I'm doing something physical, but my mind is thinking tomorrow and the next day to make sure that the train is full steam ahead where, you know, it's for you to be, and it sounds kind of woo woo, whatever, but to just be present and and take a self evaluation is, is tough, man. I mean, well, and I think another thing is also planning. I try to do a lot of planning with family time. So, I mean, if you look at my calendar, especially with two little kids and my wife, my wife works full time as well. So, you know, I spend a lot of time in the field for work, going to, you know, being on location, seeing field offices. So I plan out my trip. So, you know, my family knows like, hey, these two days, dad's gone. Right. But then that night when I get back, I make sure that, you know, all my business is handled by the time, or at least I try. <laughs> Doesn't always happen just with what I do because I, you know, I still do answer my phone. You know, there, there's times where I will be pushing my kids on the swing and I get a phone call and I, you know, on the phone with one hand pushing with the other. Hey, I understand. Um, but it's just really trying to find that balance. And that's kind of if you push too hard in one area, the other is going to, something's going to be lacking in another. Absolutely. No, I love the answer, man. Well, look, now it's time for our sponsor giveaway. Tendeka is giving away a mini portable projector, perfect for home theater, boardroom, you know, pocket video. And if you'd like a chance to win, click the link in the show notes and we'll announce the lucky winners as they come in. Let's talk about some events. I'd like to take a moment for Julie to tell us about the upcoming events. Hey, it's Julie here, and I have a few OGGN announcements before we're heading into the events on deck. Street team, we are still taking volunteers for our street team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group. The group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes, and I can get you started. Our happy hours... We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour, as well as Midland, will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 2019 in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help Redeemed Ministries with our long-term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to golf for good with Redeemed and our organizers, Global SEM Energy and Red M. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. 
This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM annual meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24th through 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is Addressing Operator Needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual shoot for the future clay shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd. to where the deals happen. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. A lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. I also want to mention the OKC Fin Feather and Fur. It's not happening till Friday, October 11th. That'll be at Heritage Place, Oklahoma City. And it's relatively new for the Oklahoma region. So I wanted to show them some love and give them a plug. If you're interested in attending, visit the AADE website or hit up Courtney Strang with Inwell for more details. She'd love to hear from you. And something Matt and I were talking about earlier, the old hack and whack. So anyone out there in Houston area interested in playing old field hockey, you better come join the hack and whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every three weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And if you're looking for that summer bod, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. They do a great job out there and some great lifestyle coaching as well. So doing some neat stuff out there. Matt, thanks again for joining me today. We briefly talked about it, but the best way to reach out to either you or Bedrocks, just simply hit up the website and you guys have a funnel for kind of bringing in resumes and and kind of getting that ball rolling for folks that might have some good experience that might want to join a good team. Yes, sir. Cool. We'll put the links in the show notes with your guys' website. So Matt, thanks again. Shoot, that's a wrap. And always remember when the density's up and the gas is town, open the choke. Let's go to town. Ooh-wee! Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil and Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com.